sneaking up on the start of the National Hockey League season. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Langley, with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. We are going to get into a couple of uh, little nuances of the position in just a little bit. In our feature interview, we'll deal with somebody from the Western Hockey League, a prospect from the Vancouver Canucks, and the Vaughn V10 Chesties are gear seven this week as uh, we get... Uh, Woody all dressed up with Cam over at the hockey shop. I, I love it when you wear the chesties in the gear segments. I must admit that. Yeah, no, it's fun. I, I like playing dress up. I'm not going to lie. It's one of my highlights uh, when we're at the hockey shop is making sure I get to try stuff on. And you know, I was impressed with uh, the Von V10 chest protector. So I uh, can't wait to bring you to the hockey shop and share that with you. I should say, if you know how it works, Darren. We get something new. It means other stuff's on sale, and they've got a lot of items on sale right now at the Hockey Shop. If you check out the website, thehockeyshop.com, they went from the back-to-school sale to... Do you get know it's Thanksgiving up here coming up? The real Thanksgiving. Yeah, the real one, the Canadian one, not whatever goes yeah. down on down there in then the States. Then we get the second one with the free yeah. meal, with the good meal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, so up here, folks, it's, real, it's the real Thanksgiving, and that means there's even more savings at the Hockey Shop. So make sure you check them out. Tons of stuff on sale, tons of new stuff. The only place to buy your gear is the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. And of course, a big part of that is our friend Cam, who will answer any and all questions you have about size, style, fit, and not just fit in terms of, you know, how many inches is it from here to here and does it fit my height, but does it fit your game, which as we know as goaltenders is an extremely important part of that equipment buying decision. And Cam and his crew can make sure that you make the right decision, the right read, so to speak, when you're buying new gear. I have worn the Vaughn Chesty in the past. I have a couple of questions about the V10 uh, specific to this uh, model that I will save for when we go down that path with Cam. Uh, I was going through some stats the other day and teeing up this season with my role in Vegas. And I realized, confirmed by you guys, that Aiden Hill is the tallest goaltender to win the Stanley Cup. Six foot six. You guys are we're aware of that, but if for some reason it really jumps out at me that six foot six is the tallest in an era of big goaltenders, for some reason I thought there would have been somebody as big or bigger. You say we're aware of it, but I sort of got embarrassed when I was trying to sound like a smart aleck and bust out some trivia. Uh, pretty sure it was on the ice at Eli Wilson's camp up in Edmonton this summer. I apologize to the young goaltender I was talking with. I can't remember which one of you it was, but I busted out my usual trivia. Hey, did you know there's only two goaltenders who've ever won the Stanley Cup at six foot four or taller? And the kid looked at me and he said, Aiden Hill, right away. Okay, so there's more than I thought of. And uh, I thought it was only <laughs> six foot four. I know in some of our chats earlier, we've now gone back and I thought it was only two at the time. Uh, it was a great trivia question. It was only Matt Murray and Ken Dryden. And then it seems that uh, Andre Vasilevsky's height has been updated to a much more truthful six foot four. I'm sure it was six foot three uh, last time I looked or about a year ago. So not sure when that was done. But uh, it still is a really interesting point, though, isn't it, Darren, that uh, we see this as an era of really big goaltenders. Maybe the fact that six foot four doesn't seem all that tall anymore speaks volumes about what the era of big goaltenders is but i think it's also really interesting that yeah aiden hill at 6'6 is the tallest and uh nobody that height 
other than him is uh you, you might imagine that there would have been a lot of guys at six five six six but uh not the case and not the case with the Vesna trophy either is it woody well, no, but it's becoming increasingly the case, at least the six foot four margin, right? Like forever, it was Ken Dryden, and Ken Dryden alone was the only six foot four goaltender to win the, the Vesna Trophy up until Pekarini in 2018 at six foot five. But as you mentioned, Vasilevsky gained an inch on his official measurements. So add him to the mix. Connor Hellebuck in 2020 at six foot four, and Linus Hallmark's listed at six foot four as well. So you know, after going all those years between Ken Dryden and Pecorine, we've now got four of the past six goaltenders to win the Vezina Trophy are six foot four or taller. So maybe all that talk about tall goaltenders is finally coming home to roost, at least when it comes to the Vezina. Just to confirm, uh, the Stanley Cup uh, tallest goaltenders to win, it's six foot six, Aiden Hill, and then a couple of guys at six foot four. That's right. Well, Vasilevsky, Murray, and Dryden. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I just, I'm surprised that there's just four guys, uh, six foot four or above, that have won the, won the Stanley Cup. Now the Vesna uh, has a, an equally varied number of of, of winners. Like the, there's there's a broad spectrum of, of guys. It's not somebody winning five straight Vesna Trophy winners. So uh, may, maybe that's the start, and then. We'll get to championship goaltenders being six foot five, six foot six as a, as a regular thing. Well, listen, like let's be honest on the Vesna Trophy front. Like as we increasingly see teams pursue large goaltenders, there's not change. gonna be it, there. It should there, lead into it. There's not gonna be a lot of small goalies that are getting the opportunities yeah. to win Vesna trophies. Although I would argue, um, <clears throat> the prime case in point, who wasn't even a finalist this year, and. Don't get me started on the freaking absurdity of that, general managers. Not sure what statistics you were looking at from a proprietary standpoint, but UC Soros absolutely should have finished second in the Vesna voting this year and wasn't even a finalist. And he is a long ways from six foot four. So there's hope for us little guys yet. A regression in the trend. That's what you're hoping for. Well, listen, hey, speaking of regressions in the trend, like look at Dustin Wolf, two time American Hockey League yeah. goaltender of the year. American Hockey League MVP and on the you know the subject of news will start this season in the American Hockey League as well was I think a little surprised although I get it from an asset management standpoint he didn't have to clear waivers to see yeah waivers Dustin headed down to the Calgary Wranglers instead of being up with the Calgary Flames another one that probably caught a few people are off guard um, Spencer Knight today sent down to the American Hockey League by the Florida Panthers Anthony Stollers will start the season as the backup to Bob with the big club in Florida. And listen, another, another waiver situation, right? Doesn't require waivers, but has a big ticket, four and a half million dollars salary cap wise. There's repercussions there. And I just want to say though, don't care where he plays as long as the, as it's the best thing for him in terms of getting back into rhythm and getting, you know, back onto the ice and playing and, and, you know, fully recovered from, from, you know, what kept him out of the league last year. When it comes to Spencer Knight, uh, to me, it's I don't even know how to say it. Like it's it's not about the fact he ended up getting sent down. It's just whatever's good for him is is all you want, right? You just want good things for that kid right now. When it comes to uh, Dustin Wolf, he's been the best goaltender in his league four years in a row. <laughs> Whatever league he's been in, he's been named best goaltender of that league. That's unprecedented. Uh, it is incredible. It's an incredible that he is where it, he is. That's a situation I'm sure they will have had to manage very carefully with him. But uh, I guess I guess if you're him, you look at it as 
they're being really careful to manage an asset that I hope one day helps make the team in front of me a little bit better. And that would certainly be the really mature way to handle things for him. I'm not sure that we would all have been so calm and collected if we'd done everything we'd done and certainly earned a chance to play in the National Hockey League. And it's a technical aspect uh, through the CBA that uh, makes it uh, an asset uh, gained by sending Wolf down and and keeping Vodar because uh, the waiver uh, exposure or non-exposure uh, situation. Did you guys see Mark Andre Fleury in the in the shootout in the preseason game, in which he went up against Connor Bedard and then Taylor Hall? Like, that is a YouTube moment waiting to happen. Hey, listen, poke checks a lost art. Um, as much as I'd say, keep your head up, kid, because it's coming when Flowers in there. Uh, Connor Bedard pretty much always has his head up, but as these guys come in and stick handle super slow and super close. I think it's great to see Flowers sort of like drop one knee, you know, fake like he's going down to one side, drop a knee and just sort of counteract it a little bit and love the poke check, right? Like letting a guy just sort of deke into within a couple of feet of you and just sitting there not doing anything. I, I like the aggression by Marc-Andre Fleury. Didn't love the move by Taylor Hall. I know Flower tripped him on the way in, but it's freaking preseason. And if you're choosing a path in a shootout in the preseason that puts you on top of the goaltender... Uh, you can go for yourself, quite frankly. Strong comments from Kevin Woodley. I, I enjoyed the third shooter. I can't remember who that was. Uh, my apologies. But uh, he shot the rebound, and Flower wasn't having any of that. I think Mark andre was more upset about the rebound chance than it was about Taylor Hall, a brushing side. Yeah, or maybe he's just being a bit of a showman in the situation. Maybe he wasn't upset at all. He was just sort of handing it right back to him. But yeah. I, either way, it was it was awesome. I also loved the way he controlled the Bedard shot, as Woody mentioned, going down to one knee, but there were sort of multiple moves and fakes and stick moves and and uh, taking charge of the situation instead of passively waiting for something to be done to him. Uh, I think it's something that we can all learn from. I would have been petrified. I would have been thinking about, I'm going to end up with 4,000 million views on YouTube after this happens. And I would have psyched myself completely out. Uh, Mark Andre might be the perfect guy to to experience something like that. But isn't he? Because he's probably thinking to himself, "Here, I can have those four thousand million views on YouTube because I took control of the situation and I won." Uh, an ultimate competitor, an ultimate battler, uh, seizes the moment to to take charge. It was it was really cool. Love watching it. Do you think, Darren, you were bringing something up earlier when we weren't online about worried in preseason that these superstars would bust out all their wild moves and maybe do some things that they wouldn't do during the regular season? Do you think if we... Because well, looked... I would do it if I was a shooter. Yeah, yeah no, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if, if we actually looked at the data, are there more deeks than shots in the preseason compared to the regular season? Something like that? I'd love to know what that is because I've actually often thought about that in practice. You know how many coaches will give their team an opportunity just to take some breakaways near the end of practice as a, a fun way to wrap up a session. Everybody loves it. The goalies love the competition. The players love to break out their moves. And I often think when I watch it, I would wish that a coach would make it mandatory to an extent that you have to shoot at least once out of three because everybody wants to try their cool moves, but then the goalies are sitting on those cool moves. They know there's not going to be a shot. They play a little deeper. I don't think those situations are as useful for a goaltender to learn um, as maybe they could be if you had that option of shot versus goal in practice. So then when you brought that up 
about the preseason versus regular season. I just wondered, is, is there something we could look at to tell if they really are doing that? Because I, I bet you're right. I would expect that there would be a higher ratio of dukes yeah. because of the lack of consequences. Mm-hmm. And you, you're going to try something. And that's what the preseason is about anyway. If you're a veteran player, try something. Sure. So why not go down that path? For sure. It makes all the sense in the world in the context of the preseason. Uh, and we're there to entertain fans as well. So in maybe not the most exciting time of year for fans watching games, it's a chance to spice things up a little bit. Maybe they should even add a few shots to the shootout during preseason or something to make it a little bit more fun. But um, but in terms of the uh, practice situation I was talking about, I just find it's not as useful for young goaltenders as it probably could be. I think in the preseason, they should pack a chaser onto the shootout and make it more exciting. That's how you, that's how you add a little bit of a sizzle. Try all those three-on-three three rules or all the, the some of the rules they brought into the European leagues this year, We can the Champions League. Could try some yeah. of those in the preseason. Give everybody a taste. I, I would, I would love that. Uh, what do you guys got going over at uh, ingolmag.com? Uh, We've got a pro read up this week with uh, Thatcher Demko, his tenth now. So if you haven't got is that yourself... a league leader? Is that a clubhouse leader? Uh, it, it's no, close. no. Jake Allen's got to be up there between yeah. the Saint. He, we got him from St. Louis and Montreal, but Demmer's getting up there for sure. Yeah, we got a couple guys in double digits, but. Uh, if you'd like to find out, just uh, head over to ingolmag.com. There is a Pro Reads menu at the top that will take you uh, so that you can check out all the different Pro Reads from, I think it's about 38 goaltenders now that have sat down with us and uh, primarily with Kevin and getting up there towards 200 Pro Reads available now. So uh, this one from Thatcher Demko is kind of a cool one, kind of uh, maybe a little controversial. It's a chance for you to take a look and ask yourself, would I play it that way? Or as a goalie coach, would I teach my goaltenders to play things that way? Uh, Pretty hard to argue with Ian Clark, one of the best in the business. And this is the way he teaches uh, recovering into your post uh, on a shot that has come from low and or come off the rush and then uh, gone down low and it's uh, being handled by a guy below the goal line. How do you get back into your post into the reverse? Um, This one's called a zigzag recovery, just to give you a little tease to see what that might be like. It sounds like it would be easier than the alternative, like it's happening fast and and maybe the efficiency would be the the biggest uh, controversial element to it. But from uh, every goaltender being able to do it, it sounds like the quickest fashion to be able to get back into your post. Uh, pro- probably is. We got to see um, my son, Maddie learning it up at Net360 last summer when Richard Bachman, who's done a lot of work with Ian Clark, of course, uh, was teaching the same thing to him off the rush. And it was a bit of a change because we're all trained to lift the leg on the opposite side of where the puck has just gone. Uh, proper mm-hmm. leg recovery. And this is using the exact opposite leg, but uh, when you start thinking about keeping your chest up ice where the next threat is probably going to come from, it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, some people think that you should have the skating skill to still recover to your post when you're uh, working with the other leg and just a little bit of a long swing in. Demko doesn't think turning his chest uh, away from the uh, the front of the net is a good plan in that situation. Certainly a skilled I'm skater can learn it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it makes sense to me. As he says... And I think that's the important thing. It still comes down to a read. He's done it the other way. There are times he does it the other way. Um, and, and that's why I think these pro reads are so fantastic because 
you can go and don't just go and mindlessly watch them. They're set up so that you can ask yourself the question, what would I do? Uh, how would I handle this situation? And then as Thatcher brings up the point that there's some cases he would do it differently. Well, ask yourself what might happen in a game that might me might make me choose to do it a little bit differently. When would it be the right read? Getting actively engaged in the content and your own learning is, is without doubt the best way to, to learn. Or if, as uh, we discovered this summer, um, that Marco Romando sits down with his uh, students in Montreal, Devin Levi being one of them, and regularly sits down and watches our pro reads with the goaltenders. And it's not just watch this guys learn what they said. Now let's engage in a discussion. Do you all agree with it? Who would do things differently? So maybe as a goalie coach, you can sit down with your tandem or with uh, several goaltenders that you work with. Uh, or goalies sit down with your partner and just uh, have a discussion about these things because it's a great way to have some fun over over our great position and a great way to learn together. Well said. You're very agreeable today. I, I am. Except a, for the other well, part. Well, there's a reason the... Woody's not happy with the Taylor Hall shootout move the other day because maybe Woody's been clipped in the head a few times uh, too often, including this week. So he's playing things just a little bit quiet over there. Yeah, Taylor Hall and this crap coming through the net and knocking goalies out. <laughs> well, probably have a few guys in your local beer league too. I yeah. think you really mean. Yeah, true. Okay, well, although, although, although the one was the one that ultimately has left me with the symptoms I have right now was my own fault. I reached out for a poke check on a guy cutting off the wing, and his knee went through my ear. So I had it. That's my fault. I got to take. What do you at our age? If you try a poke check like that, the chances are you're not getting up whether somebody runs into you or not. No, I, I yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. At our age, are we not trying to take the feet out a little bit too? Just if we're going to try that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I am. I mean, certainly, if you miss the puck, you better be taking something. Yeah, I'm. I'm tripping them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I guess you are, but uh, when you trip them into you, it's probably not the smartest move, is it? Well, good for you to to admit that maybe you should retire that save selection. Well, hey, listen, I got to admit, the one that ultimately left me feeling like this was my fault. The one the week before, that guy can go F himself, quite frankly. <laughs> like, that's the Tuesday night, 10 o'clock, I think I'm game seven, and he actually concussed me last year with the same move. Honestly, like, this guy thinks there's scouts in the stands there, and he figures he's getting the call up to Vegas every freaking well, year. Comes around the corner, puts his head down, has no chance of cutting back above the crease, and just goes right through the goalie. It's an asshat move in a 40-plus league, and his ribs may have ended up broken by the end of the game, so we won't have to worry about him for a while, will we? With, with Rinkbarn, uh, rinkbarn.com uh, or .net, whatever it is, scouts don't even have to be in the stands. They can just be watching the random 10 o'clock game. Oh, you know they're watching looking the for that talent. You yeah. know they are. You know they are. And 100%, it's the guy with the, the bad, greasy, long hair, tinted visor, and 69 on the back that's nine times out of ten going to be pulling these moves. And sure enough, he had at least one of the three. Record for beeps. I think we're up to three now. What is Ass hat the... doesn't count. No, it doesn't? I can, okay. I can so get away we, with that, that one. That keeps us at three. <laughs> we'll let, we'll uh, let the head producer decide which words count because I get to put the beeps in. That's uh, up well, to me. I'm on a high beep ratio today. My beep per 60 is through the roof. <laughs> I think we're headed for a podcast record. Uh, listen, I, like I said, Hutch knows there's a concussion history there, and it sucks to have one again, and I'm not feeling very good. So all those guys that round the corner and come in hard can go. I'll just let Hutch throw a beep in there. 
the Sense Arena uh, feature interview, Ty Young from the Prince George Cougars. Uh, looking forward to getting to know him a little bit. They are off to a fantastic start. And I've talked to a few of my friends in around the Western Hockey League, and they're excited uh, and uh, really intrigued about uh, the Prince George Cougars becoming that team. And that's a franchise that hasn't had a lot of big years in it. And this could be one of those seasons uh, headed up for uh, PG. So Ty Young standing by. But first, our gear segment brought to you by The Hockey Shop. TheHockeyShop.com, source for Sports Langley. We're dealing with the Vaughn V10 Chesty this week as we bring in Cam, who's standing by with the suited up Kevin Woodley. Guys. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're here in Goalie Utopia, surrounded by all the latest, as well as a lot of price things that are on discount as the latest arrive. So make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com for all their back-to-hockey sale prices. But right now, we're on to something new, the Vaughn V10 Chest Protector, a unit that we haven't heard a lot about, but some features that you really like, Cam. So hit me up. Walk me through it. I've got it on. I'm playing dress up. You know, this is my favorite part of the day. And that's What's, slick red and black colorway, I might add. That's a hockey shop special, red uh, and black just, color well. No, it's just redder. That's not the shop colors anymore. That changed. I'll try and keep up. Uh, you should. You try and tell me what the hell's going on with the Vaughn V10 chest. <laughs> so, new for this season. A bit more of a redesign, even from the V9. So, again, building off of some Vaughn staples that, you know, for the most part, those velocity wearers have come to know. Um, Let's just identify the staples because not there might be some people out there that aren't maybe you know like they're new to the they haven't worn one yes. before. So what are some of the attributes that we commonly associate with a Vaughn chest protector? High shoulders, tapered body fits nice and snugly around, but can be worn loose to puff it out if desired. I definitely desire puffed out and looking big. So what I would say though in in my opinion, I find this chest does play a little bit better when it is tighter against the body. So heads up for you guys that, you know, tuck in. This is definitely one to check out for sure. Can it be worn outside? 100%. Does it start to get a little janky? Maybe. That, that I mean, again, it depends on how you're wearing it and what your personal preference is and this, that, and the other. But not, shouldn't be surprised that it might play a little better tucked in, tight right. to the body, because this is a unit or this is, we talk about the characteristics of a Vaughn chest protector. Mm -hmm. Mobility. Uh, something that's connected to your body. Those are things that yeah. goalies like in their Vaughn chest protectors that they've come to expect from their Vaughn chest protectors. Yes. And mobility, maybe like on that sliding scale of mobility and protection, uh, it's going to lean towards the mobility side. Still protective, but you might feel the odd puck in this compared to. Yes, but they've other also options. taken some big strides to continue to actually reinforce the stock unit. Well, um, let's go through them. So, I mean, even all the way throughout the arms, uh, your high impact zones, you're going to find their HD carbon material. Um, anything that's been labeled pro carbon, again, you're going to find Vaughn's carbon sheets in them. So that's going to be elephant, uh, forearm, bicep, into the shoulder floaters. The actual chest blocks themselves are featuring Kevlar. So you're definitely multi-protected. Um, the blocks themselves, the way they design it is create some good flexibility to the chest once that kind of softens up and breaks in a little bit more. So again, that's continuing with that idea of that mobility, like you're not really feeling the chest on you, it's just kind of more of an extension of your body itself. Again, I've got it, I've got it kind of loose right now, so you're yes. seeing it move around a little bit on me, but you can sort of see like, you know, that mobility and range, this is like fresh off the rack, like, yeah, we kind of do this, but 
you know, it's really where our hands out in front of us. Can we cradle pucks? And there's a lot of that mobility sort of built into this, even just coming straight off the rack. Correct. So next, when you actually move on to the adjustment features of the chest itself, some of the things have kind of changed. Some have stayed the same. So Vaughn has included the way that they do their shoulder floaters from the V9 back down to the V10 with a bit more adjustments. So this entire shoulder plate itself actually independently adjusts from the rest of the unit. So the ability to have that shoulder sit up a little bit more, create a little bit of extra size if you're looking Ooh, to, some extra height. I like that. Or if you want it nicely rounded, you can definitely haul that back and bring that shoulder down to create that rounded uh, appearance, depending on your desired preference. And the way they've sort of seamed the blocks up there, it wraps right around. It doesn't, you know, again, you can sit it up if you want. The segmentation. Segmentation. That's There's what the you were word looking I'm for. looking for. Yeah. Good thing right. I'm English made. Today's word of the day, segmentation. So, uh, arms, we're back to a laced-in construction now. Previously before, it was actually held on by Velcro. So a little bit more of stock, it, this is how it fits kind of thing. So we technically lose a little bit of adjustment there, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. So lace-in, it's fixed is what you're telling me? I can't see it right now. Okay, yes, so. instead of popping your arms through and having the arms rip off the chest in like fully off, this way everything kind of stays on. It does make it a little bit cleaner in terms of forgetting it set up. Um, Overall, in terms of for fitment-wise when it comes to the back, like I said, we touched on that Velcro. Just a standard black paint design. Having this independent shoulder cap, though, the way it does sit, does help to stop the chest from actually riding up in the back. Before, in some of the older velocity units, we used to see that kind of almost humpback, you know, kind of happen. This helps to prevent that. Um, <laughs> to be honest, great overall feel-wise, nice rounded shoulders. Again, that good kind of stock fit off of the back. As you can see, he can definitely move around quite easy. So cool little sneaky feature that I really like, Kevin turns around, um, tucked in behind, actual shoulder floater itself. There's actually a little button, so as opposed to putting it on top of the shoulder floater, there's a little button in here for your suspenders to help lock them in. So as you're, say, tucking in your chest, or even if you leave it out in front, but you run your suspenders over top of your chest, this helps to lock it in kind of just behind that, uh, that sternum plate right there and helps to keep them secure. So I thought a nice little cool feature worth calling out. So? so hold on. How do I do it? Oh, I see. Now yes. show me that side. And then, board. you know, just, you know, like that, right? So I can have it up through here. Exactly. So Vaughn V10 Pro Carbon Chest. You can check it out at thehockeyshop.com or you can give me a call. 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Doesn't even need me anymore, folks. Doesn't even need me. No, don't forget. If you've got questions, make sure you ask them. Fitment. I always say call Cam, and as much as I'd love for you to just continuously annoy him, the reality is he was out of town recently, and I came in here, and they had two other, two of his other goalie specialists. Everybody who their names? works in the goalie department. Names? We have. I'm not good with names, Cam. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Well, clearly, <laughs> clearly. So what he's saying is, is that. Give any of They're us a call. They're all good at what they do and they yes. understand goalie. As a matter of fact, I would say it's the most efficient I've seen this department run while you were away. So good job on the hiring, Cam, of the other guys. Management. Can't believe I forgot the name. Like and subscribe. Okay, to... My questions, and I've worn Vaughn uh, chassis a lot over the years. The current one that uh, that I had was a hand-me-down from Oscar Dansk. 
when he was with the Vegas Golden Knights organization. And there, there was a slight bruise factor, I guess, but it's so easy and so smooth to, to move in. Uh, I have a lot of trouble getting out of it because of its comfort level. And I wear it out. Uh, and I promised myself I would never do that. Uh, but uh, one area was the arms and then the forearms that uh, that I was trying to model down. It sounds like they've, they've addressed a lot of that, Woody. Well, I mean, it has sort of been traditionally, there's a spectrum, right? There's a range between protection and mobility. And Vaughn's always on that sliding scale aired towards the mobility side. And so goalies yeah. at the highest level have sort of always accepted that they would feel a few more pucks, that they'd feel a few more bruises. Now, I know the one you have from Oscar Dansk, I would assume, has been beefed up from what you might get at retail. Um, and, you know, sounds like according to Cam, they've they've addressed that. And certainly wearing it in the video, the mobility was clear. And if the protection is also there, then that's a plus. But you're right. Traditionally, you know, there are other units that you associate more with protection, particular in, particularly in the arms, other units, other brands but perhaps not as mobile out of the box. So if Vaughn has edge towards protection as well without sacrificing that mobility, it's good for them. Now we, you know, real easy to talk this and I trust Cam's expertise, we do, but the reality is we haven't tested it. So firsthand knowledge, I can't tell you. And what you're wearing, Darren, as much as you're still feeling pucks in that, you're also facing NHL shooters. And, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm and mine's a couple of years old, model's old. It, it admittedly is... And and it's probably beefed up. There's no way Oscar Dansk is heading out there in the National Hockey League in a retail model. So it's probably got extra protection in the arms, but you never know, right? Because this is the reality. This is just, this is the reality. We talk a lot about equipment as if it's the same thing being worn in the National Hockey League and very rarely is it. And that includes a lot of pads, a lot of gloves. There's always little specs, unique things that NHL guys have that they want from their past that they most often get. So there are exceptions to that, but quite often, especially when we're talking about chest protectors, what you see in the National Hockey League is not what you're buying off the rack at the store. My question to you, and I've thought this over a couple of times, but never had the cojones to really go down this path. When you do these segments, which are also on YouTube, you and Cam, and you're wearing the chesties, are you wearing a size bigger than you normally would just to have more mobility for the actual segment? It's a good question. There are times where Cam brings me an extra large, like after Thanksgiving weekend this weekend and uh, some turkey and definitely more than one of those Costco I would wear a size pies. bigger because I want to be able to look like I can move around. I don't want to be like... Often, when Kevin's sporting a few extra LBs, Cam will bring out a larger size and throw a few chirps out there. Usually, I'm in a large in most of these models, but every once in a while, he'll throw me in an XL. I can't remember what it was with the Vaughn, but I think it was a large. I think it was the accurate model because okay. you don't want to look like you're swimming in it either, right? Like That doesn't sort of show the brand properly either if it's too big for you and visibly too big for you. So, we usually try and get it into the large range, which is what I fit with most brands. Now, if we, if we were to try and get Cam to wear it, you know, to get it around his fat ass, we're talking Careful, at least a double, at least talking at least double extra That's large. beep. Oh well, my gosh, Woody. It, it's probably more the size of the head to get the <laughs> neck hole around the size of that guy's head. Cries a little I, work. I feel better getting that off my chest though, because I've wanted to ask and I just haven't found the right time or 
the confidence to be able to go down that pass with path with you. It brings me the kid sizes sometimes just to get a little <laughs> get a little frisky in there. I think Darren is accusing us of being like those food photographers who work for McDonald's and make your Big Mac look like it's this beautiful yeah. luscious hamburger before you get this flat little pathetic thing arriving. I was just I was thinking what I would do in this situation. Yeah, yeah. I would go bigger for more mobility and make it look like I'm like all over the place. Like just reaction. I can drink coffee. I can do anything with that on as opposed to one that's brand new out of the wrapper. And I can't quite get my arm up because it hasn't been broken in. Nothing but the real authentic deal at In Goal that's Magazine. That's great for you. Come I love on. this. From and if I was going to cheat, am I going to cheat? And, and make a company that owes us money look better? Probably not. I would do it with a company that doesn't have unpaid bills with us. So that's how you know the Vaughn was the real size. That is a declaration of all declarations. Uh, thank you for, uh, for going down that uh, path. And uh, for everybody that's wondering uh, if he's just putting on a show or whether he's really cranky, I think we can confirm. But second this if you want, uh, Hutch, but I, I'm going to confirm that this is the authentic Woody today. It, like, this is not a show that he's just putting on for the sake of clicks. The happy, smiley Woodley that you normally get on this show? Yeah. That's the one that's been gussied up for production. This is the real Woody. <laughs> this is what we get six or seven days a week is uh, grumpy old Gus here. Yeah. Con concussion symptom Woody is the real Woody. Let's be honest. I've had enough of them at this point that uh, probably is my true personality. Uh, PG Cougars, a great start uh, to the Western Hockey League season, backed by Ty Young, the 2022 fifth rounder of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, standing by in the green room, ready to join Woody, who's going to turn it around. He's going to flip the switch uh, with Ty and be as uh, professional as we've ever heard uh, our good friend uh, Kevin Woodley. But first, uh, the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, and continue to see all kinds of great advancements in the experience of going down Sense Arena and facing these shooters through your headset. Yeah. One of the best things that we talk about all the time is Sense Arena is continuously updated. And uh, in fact, I was talking to a parent this week who reached out looking at getting Sense Arena for his son uh, to help him step up to the ne next level this year, as he already has with the team he's playing for. And, uh, and I just love the fact that we have something new to talk about with them so frequently many times a year you'll put on the headset the software's been updated they're bringing new features to it and i will just say without getting into too too much that we have a meeting booked with our friends at sense arena this week so that we can have a conversation about all the nhl features that are coming to sense arena soon they want to really begin to highlight all the great nhl collaborations that they've got and uh and i'm just going to leave it at that there's more coming However, if you do want to use the best off-ice training tool to help you become a better goaltender, if you want to graduate from juggling and bouncing balls off the wall to facing NHL shooters, to seeing power plays evolve in front of you, to doing some incredible neurocognitive drills, get Sense Arena. If you've already got an Oculus headset, you can go to SenseArena.com today and grab a, a seven-day free trial. If you don't, it's probably time to grab it because you're going to love the whole virtual reality world out there. There is so many great things you can do with it. And one of them happens to be Sensorina, which is available either monthly or annually for a huge savings. I think it's 28%. And uh, 
they've also got now a couple of different levels so you can try the the sort of beginner intro to it where you get a reduction in the number of drills and things that are available to you training plans as well uh, and then you can also get the pro version where you've got multiple rinks you can go in more and more training plans from uh, professional coaches all the drills all the nhl shooters like the full deal it's less than a private lesson with a goaltending coach and you can use it every single day just a great investment uh, for you and your son or daughter if you want to uh, become the best goalie you can. And the best part is there's no like 40 year old idiots coming around the corner and running you through the end boards. Maybe I should, <laughs> I should just stick with sense arena and do no other goaltending at this point. Uh, I have a workout plan tonight. I call them workouts when I go on, on sense arena. I, I, I actually do you sweat. I do. And, and I count the calories because I, I do the, uh, the cardio thing on the, on the watch and try to keep track of what the heart rate is and what the calorie usage is. And it's way more than you would think by just putting on a headset, the, the, the overall mind and, and body and, uh, getting involved with the, the heart rate is significant, even though you're not putting on the gear and you're not on the ice and you're not uh, bouncing around. So uh, that that's the way I, I go about it. And I just have one question because I'm on a roll with asking questions that, uh, that I'm ever asked. For those that don't know uh, and aren't aware of the language, when you mention neurocognitive sessions, what like, what is that, Hutch? It's a great word that makes me sound intelligent. It, it is. It yeah. is. It's brain training. Yeah. Okay, it's, but what like what goes into the uh, I mean, brain it's thing, training? It's things that people might have called um hand-eye coordination or eye-hand coordination okay. drills. Uh it's things like you've seen the old the old school light board where lights come on and you've got to hit them. They've got a, a the similar Formula 1 guys use that all the time. Yeah, you got to they do. You've got a similar drill in Sense Arena. They've got somewhere you have to track a puck and try and catch it. They've got somewhere the lights go out midstream to to work on your tracking. There's all sorts of different drills there just to work on how you are processing things. Processing. In that your was the brain. Word. That's a word and I was thinking about them. Neuro brain cognitive thinking, putting the two things together. That's a really big word and I probably couldn't spell it. How do you think you spell it? I don't know, but. N E U R O C O G N I T I V E. I did it right. But is, is neuro and cognitive the same word or is there a hyphen in I there? I believe there's a dash in between. I like the dash. I like the dash. I'm all about the, I'll dash. Go with the dash. I I got uh, I got dash eleven on a spelling test in senior year of high school. So we're not asking you. you. Yeah, dash eleven, negative eleven out of a hundred. So there you That's, go. I'm not sure how you do that. Don't you just get them wrong? <laughs> we took the teacher took one mark off for each of the first five you get wrong, and then two marks off for each of the next five, and so on and so on. And somehow that worked out to negative eleven. Wow. And you didn't even have a concussion like Woody. I didn't have the worst mark in the class either. Hmm. Are you more concussed or angry today, Woody? They kind of tend to go hand in hand. I have a fuse <laughs> that's about a quarter inch long when I'm in this state. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I know you're laughing I'm with laughing. me, buddy. That's the only reason I'm I haven't tried to you. stab you through the computer. That's a quarter <laughs> inch shorter than his regular fuse. <laughs> because because I, I enjoy this side of Woody. I, I rarely get to see it. And... Cranky Woody is entertaining Woody to me. Cranky Woody is probably not to everybody else, but to me, uh, Cranky Woody. uh, I've I've uh, known him so long that he doesn't even say anything cranky in text messages, and I can still tell that he's cranky. (laughs) It's fair. It's 
fair. You did the interview with Ty before you were concussed. Uh, I so did not. I'm However, look- this young man brought enough of a smile to my face that I was able to grin and have a good time and have a conversation that, you know, doesn't involve me dropping words that need to be beeped out by Hutch. Uh, we had a good conversation, a good chat. And I think as much as we talk about the draft pick and the status with the Canucks, like, let's not forget, just signed his first contract. And it's a big moment as he gets into it with us, talks about, you know, how big that is compared to, say, the draft. Looking forward to it. The Centurina Centurina VR feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Ty Young from the Prince George Cougars standing by with a much more casual Kevin Woodley on the podcast. Really excited to welcome to the In Goal Radio podcast, first time guest, but a guy I've had the pleasure of talking with a couple of times over the past couple of summers. Met him the first time after the Vancouver Canucks drafted him at last year's draft and again this summer at the Net360 goalie camp. Ty Young, Canucks draft pick, Prince George Cougars. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Kind of catching you on, as we were just saying, the the end of a sort of whirlwind here. You're, you come off the summer... You go to prospects camp, you go to a Young Stars tournament with other prospects, you go to main camp, now back to Prince George, you sign a contract, congratulations on that. What's the last month been like for you? Yeah, definitely, it's been a whirlwind to start the the season off. You go to come PG and you do training camp, kind of get in here with the guys and stuff, talk to them and how their summers have been, and then you go straight to Pentec to run away and you get in a game there against all their prospects and other teams' prospects and stuff. And then you go off the main camp and stuff too and try to prove yourself there. And um, ended up going well for me there. And I was able to prove myself. And they kind of gave me the contract offer. And then, yeah, you just come back on the same day you signed that and started getting going with PG and just play the next day. So, yeah, it was definitely a whirlwind. And, um, but, yeah, it was great. Don't know how much you're keeping in touch with your agent through that process. Did you did you know the contracts coming on the same day as you said? We sort of on the media side of things, we get this release that you know they're sending these guys back, and probably not a surprise to you, just given your age. But then, like thirty minutes later, we get a release saying there's a contract. Did you know? But when you had the conversation that you were headed back, did you know the contract was there? Not completely. Like it was going a little bit back and forth and stuff. So, um, like the, the I knew there that there was talks about it, but I wasn't too sure if it was gonna kind of get completed before I went back or maybe late, like late, like around Christmas time or whatever. That's what I was kind of thinking. But yeah, no, it was good to kind of get it started off the season right. I guess. So, yeah. Where did where does that fit? Like just out of curiosity, for you know, I I don't know that I've ever asked this question of all the guys I've talked to over the years, but. You know, we think of getting drafted as such a big moment. Where does getting that first deal fit, you know, in comparison? Yeah, it's got to be, like, pretty high. Like, um, it's kind of started you getting paid, like, big bucks for um, doing a sport you love. So it's such an honor and a privilege to kind of get a good chunk of money for um, just doing what you do best and having fun with it. So it's a pretty good feeling, yeah. Okay, so did you have to buy when you got back to PG? Dinner? Anything? Uh, I haven't got it yet, so I haven't bought anything. I haven't seen my family even yet either before or after signing it, so I'm sure I'll definitely have the next uh, supper with my family, and then even if we go out with some of the guys here, I'm sure. Nice. I'll have okay. To cover it. Yeah. okay, so um, there's been so much. Uh, you know, you you started working that with you know since we first met. You started working with Adam Francilia uh, off the ice. That's how we met you at Net360. Um, obviously, exposure to Ian Clark and Marco Terranius through the Canucks organization. 
but I want to rewind it a little bit. Let's let our get, get our audience a chance to to get to know you a little bit. Um, grew up in Alberta. How'd you become a goalie? Where did where did this all start? Yeah, I just grew up in like a small little town in Alberta, just outside of Lethbridge. Not really any like big names coming out of there. Um, just kind of small town, just minor hockey, and uh, kind of started being goalie just from. I don't even know. You just play initiation. You get rotated through, and um, everybody wants to be goalie then. And then usually it doesn't stick, but I guess it kind of stuck for me. I got. I was always asking the coaches to go play net, and yeah, like you just have fun with it. You kind of love those big moments. That's what you kind of strive for when you're in goal. I think that's what lots of the goalies' answers are for when they get asked, like, "Why do you like being goalie?" It's just you can be a game changer. So yeah, you, you just kind of love that role on the team, and then yeah, it's just kind of stuck and uh played minor hockey for most of my kind of younger years uh didn't start playing uh lead hockey till bantam so uh a little bit of a late sprouter which was uh kind of it was pretty cool i guess um usually you kind of hear stories of guys that were kind of highly touted from a young age went to the brick and stuff but yeah during that i was just kind of playing like all the different sports in school just kind of not really knowing that hockey was going to be my thing until later. So, yeah, this is pretty cool. Now, did you have a guy growing up that you emulated or that you watched closely um, from a goaltending perspective on TV in the NHL or junior? Who was your guy? Yeah, you got both of them on the wall behind you right now, Luongo and Price. So, um, yeah, like I watched Luongo all the time just because uh, my favorite team was the Canucks growing up. Like my family lived, like my grandparents lived out on the island and stuff. So they kind of um, – put that the Canucks culture onto me from a young age and then yeah I think even just all of the young Canadian goalies love watching Price and the Olympics and stuff so he kind of fell in love with him there too so yeah okay so rewind because you've told me that story but let's share it with with our audience because there's probably people scratching their head a little bit how does a kid from small town outside Lethbridge how's he not talking about Mika Kiprasov how does he become a Canucks fan yeah, uh, I went out to my grandparents one summer, uh, summer for about two weeks or three weeks, and um, the the playoffs were going on around that time too. So, um, I we my my mom and my brother loved the Flames. So when I uh, went out there, I was kind of cheering for the Flames and stuff, of course. And uh, my grandparents just kind of showed me the team a little bit. I kind of fell in love with like Biaska, Burrows, Luongo, the Sedins, obviously. So. Yeah, like uh, it was kind of crazy to come back a Canucks fan from that summer. But my mom and my brother still were Flames fans, so it was always a a debate in the household of when those teams played and stuff. So, but yeah, like it's just a crazy feeling. So, what do you love about watching Luke? Because I mean, you're talking to a fellow fan right here. Like you, you know, may have got to cover him, but uh, as a journalist, was also just a big fan of him as a goaltender. I I remember when I started playing the position, watching him play. And just like wanting to go play hockey the next day after watching him, what was it about the way he played that resonated for you? Yeah, he just loved the game. I think like he's just so exciting to watch. Just not like the, obviously the not most like orthodox goalie, not your stereotypical. This is how you do it. It's just, he just had fun with the game, and he just makes you want to make all those crazy big glove saves and his windmills. And yeah, like it's just he just makes the game look fun, and you just want to go play it. Now, where, um, at what point does it start to get a little more? So you mentioned Bantam, um, goalie coaching influences at a young age. I know, you know, from the Calgary area, I've seen David Marcoux, former Flames goaltending coach, give you some shout outs on 
on the social media during various big moments in your career. So who were some of the influences from an early age that sort of helped you go from late bloomer to WHL to NHL draft pick? It's definitely the goalie coaches like Mark Koo and stuff growing up and stuff. I didn't go see him a whole lot throughout um, like minor hockey. It was kind of like a later age where I really started to go see him lots of times throughout the summer and stuff. And then, yeah, like I think my biggest change in opportunity was in the bubble getting to go to the bubble year with the Cougars and stuff at 15 years old and skating on the ice every day with like Taylor Dakers here. Having that full-time goalie coach there every day, just getting bagged on the ice, getting those workouts in, just getting a touch. I think that was kind of like the biggest like turning point in my, like my career and stuff. So I like, guess just like a big thank you to the, like the organization kind of giving me the opportunity there. Cause you know, I wasn't a high battle draft pick either. I was just eighth round. Um, I wasn't supposed to be, like the big next kind of starting goalie here is just another pick, I guess. So um, going in the bubble, you just want to take every opportunity I got there. And I think that was kind of the biggest turning point in my career, I'd say. What, uh, you know, for other young goalies that might be sort of around that same age, what advice would you give them? Obviously, the bubble's a unique experience. Yeah. And you you get access to an you know a high level goalie coach WHL goalie coach on a on a regular basis. But what in your game changed? Like what was it about the work you did with Taylor at that point that allowed you to make this jump? Yeah, I think lots of it's just kind of uh, being a lot more serious with each rep you do. Um, you kind of take those drills in, and lots of the time, like before, like in normal practices and stuff, you kind of just go through the motions. You just are out there just to be out there. And, um, not actually like thinking about what you can get better at and kind of drilling into yourself. Yeah, like that's fine, but I really need to get better at this and this and this. So, um, when we, when I got there, he was like, yeah, this is what we're going to work on. And then this is the drills that we're going to do it. And let's focus it on it, like within those drills. So I think just kind of like having a lot more intent with yourself, I think is probably the, one of the biggest things and realizing what you need to be work on, like work on and have a little bit of humility within that. And just, yeah, like mostly that. Can you give me an example of what one of the things was that you guys drilled down on, uh, maybe more so than others? Yeah, I think lots of it was my posture. Um, okay. I re- when I first started, I was really, really low and got a lot of like pretty wide and got stuck in a lot of spots. And um, we try to narrow my stance up a little bit, just kind of move freely when pucks go across crease and stuff. So I think that was probably one of the bigger things. I- and that's something that we've heard a lot of right up to the NHL, right? Like if you're too low, too wide, too soon, you, you, you're you not mobile enough in a game that is increasingly east-west. I know probably a lesson you've heard since being drafted by the Canucks. Easy at times for a guy like me to talk about it, but what was the process like for you to get comfortable with being narrower? Because, you know, a lot of guys talk about, yeah, okay, I understand the principle, but it, it also brings you higher off the ice. And some guys... You know, they feel more locked in when they're low and wide. What was that process like for you to get comfortable with playing narrower? Yeah, it was difficult because I think the biggest thing you have like a challenge with is the like kind of shot preparation when you are narrow because you kind of feel like you're not as ready for a shot when you're locked in and wide. You feel so ready for a shot and you feel like dialed, but if they get that pass across, you're stuck. Whereas with your narrow, if they pass across, you're fine, but if they shoot right away, you're you're just like out of position. You're not feeling like you're tracking the puck well with kind of nose over top of it. So I think the biggest thing was realizing like when to get set and when to kind of set your feet and be locked in for that shot and kind of reading the shooters a little bit better and um, kind of adjusting your height difference. You don't want to kind of stay so high when the shot's coming. You want to set your feet and be ready for a shot. Whereas like 
before he would just get so locked in and so dialed that um, if that pass across kind of wet, you were kind of stuck. So, so you find a happy medium in your stance, and is is there a process? And because I know, listen, like other kids are probably going to have to go through this too, or maybe going through it right now with a new goalie coach that's asking him to do the same thing. I think sometimes that transition from high into set can be a little tricky. Sometimes we can do it in a way that almost becomes a tell, right? Like, like players will wait, like, okay, boom. As soon as he widens out, now I'm moving the puck. Was there something that helped you make that transition easier? Whether it was a, a thought in your mind or a drill or something that just made it a little smoother for you going through it. Yeah. I think lots of it was just doing drills and stuff, kind of learning to trust your, for, like your footwork was like the biggest thing for me. Cause like if you can outweigh the shooter, I think you're gonna kind of, you know, have like success in any league you're doing. Like the hardest thing as a goalie is trying to beat the pace of the play. And when you're kind of setting your own pace and you're determining the pace of the play, I think that's when you like, kind of become an elite goaltender. So, um, yeah, like lots of it's just working on drills. Like one of the biggest things of practices that I learned that uh, like the Clarky and Marco told me was. No matter what in practice you work on, if it like their thing is, if it's a deke, you shuffle. If it's a pass, you team push. And I think that was one of the biggest things because in practice, if you fail, it's practice. It's going to happen. So even off five foot, like five foot passes in front of the net, you're team pushing on it. Like just no matter what, have that ability to team push on those passes. And I think that was kind of like the biggest thing that helped me is just if you get scored on practice, try to do it. You that's how you get better. So yeah. Can that be tough sometimes too? Because to to not focus on results in practice, especially as a young guy, to to make sure you're focused on the process and not get caught up in results. Especially, you know, I I love that answer because a lot of times, as we know, practices aren't necessarily ideal for goaltenders. But it doesn't mean we can stop trying to find ways to get better within that environment, even if it's not specifically for us. Yeah, exactly. Then even in practice sometimes too, like you got like a coach looking at the goalies to see who's going to start on the weekend. You don't want to like look back, trying to work on stuff too. So it's kind of, you got to find that happy balance and uh, with like trying to like try new stuff out, get better like that and trying to impress the coach at the same time. But yeah, like you just kind of have to find that happy medium in practice and really work on things that are going to get you better and yeah, get results. Okay. So you mentioned... I'm going to rewind a little bit back to when you became a fan of the Canucks back there on Vancouver Island. Um, you mentioned the Sedins, for example. You get drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, you go to do a development camp, and lo and behold, there are the Sedins. What's that moment like? You know, when you like, where you're all of a sudden you're on the ice with these two franchise legends for a team you grew up cheering? Yeah, it was unreal. I think I still have the picture of my phone when. I was on the ice in Whistler for the first time with them when they're uh, my first goalie ice. So they were the shooters. I'm like, what is life right now? Right. So, um, yeah, like it, it was just a crazy experience to kind of see that leaving. Like when I saw my grandparents came out there and watched me for that, and they're just like, whoa, that's the Sadines there too. So, uh, yeah, like it, it was just kind of like, like a really cool experience for my whole family to kind of see that. And, um, yeah, it just didn't feel real, and you're so grateful for the opportunity to have with the organization and stuff. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Was it tempt? I mean, you're you're part of the organization now, and you got to be careful. But like, is there any point? Like, do you allow yourself at any moment? Obviously, not on the ice stopping their shots, but at any moment to sort of slip into fan mode with them, or do you have to just maintain that very "I am a player, I am here to be a player" mode when when you're in that environment? 
Yeah, uh, I think like the first year it was kind of more just a little starstruck with them. You're too, like too scared to go talk to them. Like, you don't know, they're like oh, they're not gonna know who I am or whatever. But this year, uh, I was definitely a little bit more comfortable. I went up and talked to them, and yeah, it's just kind of like cool just to like just chat hockey with them and even just chat about stuff that's like outside of the rink and about like whatever there was whatever's going on, right? So, um, yeah, like it, it's a, it's a really kind of cool experience. You never really thought that you kind of get to this point when you're watching them and on the TV when you're younger, right? So, uh, yeah, like you just kind of take whatever opportunity you can because they got so much knowledge about the game and stuff. So, well, it's yeah, also it's, it's extra intimidating because you don't know. It's I don't know if you figure. I mean, I covered them for twenty years, and there were still moments where I was caught. You don't know whether to say, "Hey, Daniel," or "Hey, Henrik." Oh, I never, <laughs> never. There's I don't know that I get you can't tell apart. So, yeah. Okay, what about experience on the ice? Hey, you mentioned Marco Terranius, obviously Ian Clark, who we were very familiar with here in Vancouver, and Ingle being based out of Vancouver and Vancouver Island. Obviously, we've done a lot of work with him and a guy I've known for years. That first introduction to those two and some of the things they do differently, what was that like and how did you have to approach? Because I think there's probably a lot of kids this time of year, right? Like October, new teams, new coaches, they might be asking you to do something different. How did you approach these guys telling you, hey, we're doing it this way now? Yeah, uh, I think you kind of got to, they were definitely a little bit different in some areas and trying to implement some more stuff in uh, uh, my game that I wasn't too used to. And then those are the kind of guys that you want to impress, right? So I definitely took everything like a sponge there. And they kind of, when I left camp there at Dev Camp, they give you a booklet of stuff that you want to work on, on and off the ice. And you're definitely going to try to impress them with that. And uh, I think that's kind of what I did well. Uh, from dev camp to main camp, they kind of listed off those points. And for the most part, I got better at lots of that stuff. So um, it was kind of good to show improvement with that. And then, yeah, you just kind of definitely, you want to, their big thing is try to implement and practice what we kind of help you with. But when it comes to games, the game, they, they use the term sandbox. The game's a sandbox. You just go have fun and play. And then uh, I think that's kind of like the biggest thing I'm trying to learn right now is that, um, yeah, like their lots of their stuff is like the reverse track on the net play. Um, try to implement that in my game, but still not completely there. So in games, I try to just play my game, have fun with it, and then in practice, try to work on it. But yeah, I think that's kind of the hardest challenge right now is figuring out when to implement the stuff in your game and when to just stop the puck. Is there are there other things that you've learned, like say tracking down, you know, like a, a track down off the wing on a rush. You know, they like little shuffles, whereas, I, you know, I don't know what you did before, but a lot of goalies still tend to flow in more straight lines backwards. Um, are there things like that or other examples where you did pick up on it quicker to the point where it's it became innate and you no longer had to think about it and boom, you're just doing it now? Yeah, I think uh, the track downs and even uh, the kind of sub 45 alignment on the post and stuff, I think coming into the post and um, getting off that goal line because before I came in pretty flat along the post and uh, I think I was too flat on stuff. So yeah, just that kind of alignment has gotten a lot better recently, and it's not even don't really have to think about it too much anymore. And my post feel like my post play feels a lot better with that. So yeah, was that they? I know they like you to come into the post sort of inside out, come in like hit yeah. the post from the inside rather than say you're at the top of the paint, uh, say on the left side. And just pushing straight down to that post on, say, a recovery, they want you to swing inside. Was that something you were already doing? And that take a little time. If not, did it take a little time to get comfortable with? Yeah, that took a little time because usually 
uh, like the first thing you want to do is you want to get to the post as fast as possible and then adjust, right? And their big thing is you want to get to the post and not have to adjust and be ready to have your full toolbox set by the time you get there. So, uh, yeah, I think that was definitely something kind of had to get a little used to. But, yeah, it kind of came in. Uh, I think this summer I got a lot better at that. And then with the, the dev camp and then main camp, I think it's pretty solid in my game now. Now, I mean, have you had moments now where that, like, again, because, like they say, you want to go and play. You don't want to be thinking out there. You're too young to understand a Top Gun reference. Maybe now that there's a new Top Gun out, maybe I'll get yeah. away with it. But you know that old, if you think out there, you're dead? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's what I was kind of talking about before with the the sandbox. They just they just want you to, when it comes to games, they don't care how you stop the puck. They just want you to find a way to stop the puck. So, um, that, and especially you're even... Your team, your team just wants you to stop the puck. They don't care how you do it too. All that matters is you win at games and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you just kind of got to figure out the happy medium and that balance and just kind of play your own game too. Now, you know, it's it's funny. We see development camp and main camp and guys will come and they'll learn things and then they'll go back to their junior team. But I know with Marco and the role and the way they've set up the role uh, as their AHL and development goalie coach, you know, there are times during the year where he doesn't travel with the Abbotsford Canucks, where he goes to see prospects. Did you get a chance to see him? And what does that support mean in season when a coach comes and pays you a visit versus, hey, the summers, they see you and then they see you again next year? What's that support like? Yeah, he he came out twice last year uh, and you know, came on the ice and watched games. And that support, like, it just it means so much just because, like, you weren't even signed at the time and they're still coming out to see you, right? So just kind of having that ability to bounce back your thoughts and then just you feel co- like so comfortable with en- enough with them that you can just text them. Hey, like in, the, in my game, I'm feeling this, or I'm not sure what to do on this. They just, they go look at the video for you, the break it down for you. And you just kind of have that, like another set of eyes that you don't get all the time here. And uh, yeah, like it's just a, it's just such a kind of crazy feeling to have, so many people all like on your side and wanting to improve and be the, your best like version of yourself. So yeah, like it's just, it's a great experience and opportunity to have them to kind of have all these ideas. You mentioned video working with guys like Marco with the Canucks. Uh, where does it fit into your day-to-day routine with Taylor? Like, was it already something, you know, at the WHL level where you were breaking down your own game and watching for things and, and are there ways you can use video to get better even at reading the game? Yeah, uh, I think that's like the, one of the biggest things trying to jump in from just like kind of midget hockey, bats of hockey to the WHL was just reading, like reading the play and understanding kind of what's going on. Like kind of just playing a bats of a midget, I never really thought about kind of what, like what hand is the guy coming on the wing and what that means for if I go inside the post or overlap and all that stuff. So I think like one of the biggest things coming that like coming in was watching video and like learning what to do on certain situations. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of come, uh, like a weekly thing here after the weekends, we'll watch like the clips and stuff and just nitpicking like every little thing you kind of want to work on and get better at. And also you want to see things that you're doing well because you want to see your improvement and keep your confidence up too. So, uh, yeah, I think video is kind of a big part in the next, like at the junior level and Marco and Dakers here have been great with that. So, yeah. When is it? Is it just you and your goalie coach there when you do it, or do you do you get together as a tandem? Do you is there communication amongst all of you, or are your games unique and different enough that it's just you and the goalie coach one on one? Like, do you ever bring in your partner and have those discussions? 
Yeah, it kind of depends on the situation and stuff. Like, if we if we'll split a game on the weekend, we both watch each other's clips, kind of um, to watch it, like, it through and kind of bounce like ideas off each other. And um, so far this year, it's just been me and Dakers in the meetings because we haven't had too much clips kind of go over yet. Just kind of start of the year. Uh, but yeah, in the middle of the year, we'll definitely kind of get together as a tandem and rattle off ideas and learn with each other there. So. Speaking of not a lot of clips, I don't think there were a lot of clips out of last night's game. Eleven, but no, so but there's le- there's lessons there, right? Like, how do you manage a game where you only see eleven shots? Have you developed things over the years to make sure you don't let the mind wander on a night like that? Yeah, like even the whole, the whole kind of first start of the year has kind of been like that. Or I've been fortunate enough like that we've been playing really well, like defensively. So I haven't had too many shots and. um yeah, I think last night was kind of like a great little hump game for me because the previous two there's there was kind of goals and the late like the late minutes of the game that weren't necessarily like game changing goals, but they weren't great for the stats. So yeah, like great last night there wasn't one of those, and you kind of get over that hump. And uh, yeah, like it, it was definitely it's a challenge because lots of the goalies you you just want shots kind of keep you in the game at all times and. Uh, sometimes you're not going to have that happen. The biggest key is kind of making saves when, even though you don't think that's going to matter, it still matters to your, like to you and your team and their confidence. So, um, yeah, like you never know when it's going to come down to goals for and goals against. So every kind of goal matters. Have you have you found a way to like like not let your mind wander? Are there different techniques? Has anybody worked with you on little mantras, little sayings, breathing techniques, anything to sort of help you? Because you're right. Like everybody's like, "Ha, oh, hey, it's 11 shots. It's an easy night." But we know as goalies, man, sometimes those are the toughest ones mentally. Yeah, those are like uh, it's like my least favorite games are always these 11 shot kind of games or even less than that. So, uh, I think like the biggest thing is just even like the biggest thing that kind of helped me is just your movement and stuff in the crease. Kind of make it whatever like the pucks in your own. You take that time, even if it's not going to be a scoring chance. You move like it would be kind of be fast with it, kind of get that sweat on and keep that sweat on. And even if it's just a D to D pass and your own dots kind of going to, to break out of the zone, you push over and push hard and fast. So you kind of stay in the mindset of the game. And especially with puck play and stuff too, take the time to get out there, play the puck, just keep, just do anything to kind of keep your mind into the play. Communication. Yeah, exactly. Talking to the D, just reading the, like reading the play as it's coming down. You're like, okay, I'm ready for all this. Read the, what kind of forecheck they have, just anything you can to kind of keep your mind in it. Speaking of playing the puck, we played a game when we were in Kelowna, uh, goal, goalie tennis. You guys played that up there yet or what? Are you guys like, it's starting to take off. I'm seeing it everywhere. Yeah. I was wondering if, if you guys absorbed it up there too. No, we haven't played it yet. I might have to tell uh, the acres in one of our goalie ices to kind of get it going. It's a fun one. Now, advice for young kids, because you handle it pretty well back there. What? Uh, how do you work on it? How do you focus on it? Yeah, you, like lots of the time you go out with goalie coaches and stuff and you just work on skating and you work on pucks and shots and everything. Lots, lots, lots of the time you kind of, there's not too many coaches that are like, okay, let's work on puck handling. So yeah, like I think one of it is just kind of being your own coach and saying like, I need to work on this and we'll sacrifice 20 minutes of skating for 20 minutes of puck handling and you just kind of, work on stopping rims, work on lifting the puck, work on your backhand. And um, yeah, like even in practice and stuff too, when you got to get ribs and stuff, you treat it like a game and be very intent with it. I think is the only way you're going to get better with it. 
Okay, so how about your work with Adam uh, as we wind this up? Uh, just what have you noticed? Have you noticed a difference? Obviously, you know, we've got some video. We've had some video of you working up there with him. It's it's difficult. It's it's unique. It's different when he brings out that uh, that little wagon of his with all the different devices. Have you exactly. felt how and in what way have you felt the difference in your game? Yeah, like I think uh, even lots of his stuff is uh, kind of keeping that core. Like he's all evolved around the core and the course ability and stuff. So yeah, you definitely feel a lot more secure and stronger, like stronger rotationally in the crease. Um, and I've definitely felt that. And then he, especially just head mobility and stuff too. He's so good on just kind of maximizing your potential strength that you have within yourself. And uh, yeah, like I, I think next summer I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure yet. And I might be going up there a lot more and even like potentially like going out there for the summer. So I think next year I'll be uh, an even better kind of opportunity to see like maximize the most out of it. Cause I didn't get to see him too much this summer, but, uh, yeah, like in just a short time, it makes such a big difference. I was say, there are worse places to spend a summer than Kelowna. Exactly. Last one for me, um, amongst the Canucks goaltenders, and there were some new names there. Obviously, Spencer claimed on waivers. Casey DeSmith comes in. Um, that's your Demko. Your the opportunities you've had to be around those guys. You know, you know, not knowing how much you had a chance to maybe pick the brains of a Thatcher Demko over the last couple of years. What what do you, what what are you looking for when you're around those guys or when you see those guys? Are there things you pick up that are like, ah, okay, I get it now. Yeah, you just kind of like even the stuff like off the ice. I think is one of the biggest things because on the ice, you kind of you want to like kind of learn what like what they do on the ice and their habits and stuff. But you also kind of want to be your own goalie and have your own identity. You don't want to be an exact copycat. So. I think like one of the biggest advantages is you look off the ice and see what habits and pra- like like off ice habits they have that have gotten to that point. And it's kind of like a common theme with all of them is just how early they are to the rink, how much stretching they do, how much workouts they do, and how like intentionally like, like they are with every single ball warm up they do. Is like to be a pro, like people just see the things where oh I'm on the ice for an hour and a half a day, then you go home and you get to live the dream life, but you don't see them in the gym all the time and just kind of getting rehab and stuff done. And um, yeah, like off the ice, it's, it's so intentful that they put so much time in. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest things. Oh, it sounds like that actually reflects back to your time in the bubble with Taylor. Like when exactly. you, cause this you use the same word intention. Exactly. Uh, the bubble was like every day you, you didn't really have anything going on. So you're either in the hotel room, just kinda, uh, quarantining or you're at the rink. So I was at the rink for, most of my day until supper time from breakfast to supper time, you're doing workouts, you're on the ice doing whatever and watching video and everything. So yeah, it's, it, it's very useful to kind of understand what you're going through and not just go through the motions. Love it. Love it. Hey, Ty, thank you very much for doing this. Really happy you could join us on the Ingo radio podcast. Looking forward to seeing you again, whether it's down here with PG uh, against the Giants or again next summer at Net360 or back at Canucks camp. Hopefully to see you in all three spots. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. It's been a while since we heard a beep. Uh, we turn, return to live scheduled programming. And here we are with, with Woody. Uh, back to the bad mood. Um, that that was a fun conversation, uh, interesting conversation that uh, we, we, it introduces us to a goaltender that 
we're going to hear a lot more about this season on the major junior scene. Do we hear about him on the world world junior scene, Hutch? I haven't been paying attention to who the candidates are. I have not seen any names bandied about yet. I would assume that his name will be at least in the mix, and it's just going to come down to how do people perform over the first few months of the season, because as we know, Hockey Canada does not host a goalie summit in the summer anymore, so these guys have not had a chance to come together as a group and work with coaches and show their stuff. This will be purely done by uh, people scouting the games during the uh the early part of this season so certainly we we wish him luck i think guys this would uh i'd have an interesting question for a few coaches at the nhl level now because we often ask the question of each other would you rather have your son or daughter playing on a great team that wins a ton of games or would you rather have them uh playing on a weaker team where you face a ton of shots and as Kevin brought up in the interview just the other night, I was actually watching the game that uh, he played against Kelowna. Uh, Kelowna only got 11 shots on goal. Uh, Ty suggested there'd been some games of even fewer shots in that interview um, with such a great team in front of him. I wonder how the Canucks feel about that as a development experience this year and uh, and what other coaches at that level might think. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I to just digress a little bit because I, I don't have an answer to it, and I, hmm. I'd never thought about. It. We certainly see teams draft guys and ask them to come over and play in the WHL. The schedule being a little more sort of conducive to what they might see in pro hockey as a stepping stone compared to maybe the NCAA, where it's just games on weekends, and yet that gives you time to train and mature physically. So there's benefits to both. I've never asked that question: Would you rather have a guy on a good team or getting shelled on a bad team? It's it's fascinating. The one thing I do like, and Ty talked about it in the conversation we had about the way the Canucks are managing this, is having Marco Terranius, their American Hockey League slash development goaltending coach, out and about and seeing these guys during the season. Now, there are a number of teams that do this, but not all. Um, for, for several teams, your American League coach is just that, your American League coach. And so if you've got prospects in college, or junior, maybe you might have a scout team, maybe not. Some of them are just left to their own devices. We've also seen it where, and this may end up being the case with the Canucks and Nikita Tolapilo, a young Belarusian goaltender who's six foot seven on the subject of size earlier, uh, that's shown a lot of promise coming over for the first time in pro. If he ends up in the ECHL this year, just based on a numbers game and wanting him to play more, they've got a goalie coach in a setup whereby when the American Hockey League team goes on the road, those guys are trusted to manage their own development and the coach can go see Ty Young and Prince George or wherever his team is or can make a trip down to the ECHL. It always amazes me that quite often the goalies that need the most help from a development standpoint are most often left to their own devices, especially in the ECHL. Like It's borderline absurd sometimes because um, they're the ones that need it the most. They're the youngest. They're, they're transitioning to pro hockey. They've never been in North America several examples and quite often they're left left on their own the most so i loved that the canucks are doing that from their development model with marco terranius again not singling them out as the only team i know there are others that do it but i also know there are others that don't and it's always seemed a bit silly to me that you don't spread that love around beyond just the guys that you've got in the nhl and the ahl in any given year where are you then on the idea of playing for a great team versus a team that's going to struggle, but you're going to get a lot of work. Hutch, as a father. Well, I think that feeling has changed 
every year as I knock things around in my brain. Um, and I think it probably depends on the level. I mean, Ty Young is not going to face only 11 shots a night for the entire WHL season. I think this is more of an academic question. But I think as you get up to higher levels, you're going to face competition at every level uh, in, in every game or, or most games. So they'll still get that experience. Um, but I would like to hear the NHL response to that regardless. Uh, for me, it's really... There have been times I believe that playing on a great team would still be a really good thing if the practice time is used well, because then you are probably facing the best shooters in the league five days a week or four days a week, uh, whatever your practice time might be. Um, But that practice time would have to be used well, because I don't know that it helps you a ton to face a bunch of rush drills in practice. I mean, uh, much like we've said before, just sending your son or daughter out to play goal in a skills session, uh, which are often begging for targets. I don't know that's going to help them a ton. Um, So it would need to be well-used practice time. At the same time, uh, if the league is too low of a level with the, the, I shouldn't say low level, but, you know, younger ages, um, playing for a weak team might get you a lot of shots, but is it giving you the sort of looks you need to develop? Is it giving you predictable plays? Is it letting you learn to read the game of hockey because things are so wide open in front of you. Um, so I think those are really tough questions for the most part. I'd probably like something in the middle if you could, if you could do that, but, uh, but that's not really what the question is. Certainly. I think as you get up to a higher level though, I'd probably rather than play. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that because there, there is also value in being on a team where you can make a difference to be a winner. Hmm. You know, just just playing um, on a weak team that gets you 40 or 50 shots a night uh, still doesn't put you in those situations where you've got to be there in in the dying minutes of a game and, and holding yeah, you the team have, in it. You don't have game-saving saves because, or as often, as you, you wouldn't have those as often. No, but you also, and you wouldn't have the pressure. Um, yeah, that's you, exactly. You know, so I think that the mental side of it. So I haven't really as typically as I always do what he loves to point out. I haven't answered your question. I've just waffled away and brought up a bunch of interesting things. You brought um, up counterpoints to both. Yeah, I did. In, in the case of Ty Young, I think he's going to be just fine there because there's um, a lot of good teams in the league. And, uh, you know, I, I was watching. Actually, I texted you because your your beloved Brandon mm-hmm. Weekings, uh, who are having a fantastic start to the season as well beat swift current one night and then they got completely manhandled the next night so this is yeah, also something no sense well it's these things happen in junior hockey too though right so you're coming out of the third night of a of a back-to-back-to-back in some situations in the case of playing in prince george uh you've had the worst bus ride at least in the western part of the league over and over so you're facing some strange situations um i think ty young is going to face a lot of really good hockey teams this year he's going to get a chance to play a ton of games which is uh, also really important and uh, and ultimately uh, probably give give himself the opportunity to face a nice run in the playoffs as well to develop. I can't give I you like an answer. Less on, work. I can't give you an answer on good team, bad team, because my team sucks. So that's all I ever get to play behind. And the grumpy wanna, response. <laughs> I want less work and I want to have fun. And I and I'm sending those vibes over to Woody. Less work and more fun. I want you to have some some real good solid outings with some smiles this week. You know what? The funny thing is like like my team does suck. Like we suck. We're old. Um we're just getting absolutely rolled this year. But even Why do you move down a notch? Yeah, you know what, Darren? Um there may have been a tirade 
filled rant directed towards the commissioner recently that probably should have cost me a few games as well. So I've asked that question. Um, but honestly, like, there's no pressure. When you go in, you know, like you're playing a team that's like, you can sort of play loose and you can have really big moments. And I've had some great games this year, despite the fact we're getting like pumped, like just pumped. Like, like we're not even touching the puck in some of these games. Shots are 20 a period, things like that. And you're just like, you're actually feeling pretty good. You get a little fatigued because I'm old. But to, to Hutch's point. I think we've point, answered this question through this answer. But, but to, you want to be on the good team. But to, but to touch his point, like you can feel really good um, and actually feel like you're playing real well and there is no pressure, but but that's kind of a bad thing. Like there yeah. is no pressure. There's at no point am I worried about one going in, you know, because the reality is we're not scoring one. Yeah. And the end is not going to matter. No, exactly. Because, yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the night, it's going to be 45 shots to 12 and we didn't have a chance. So if I can keep it close, that's all I have to do. And that's not I would imagine if I was a young goalie trying to actually have some type of career as a re- as instead of just being an old crappy goalie trying to stand up at the end of the night, I might be a little worried about that because I, I there is no pressure moments within those games. There's no sort of, man, final minute and it's tied. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to make sure I buckle down here for me to sort of process mentally and, and learn how to handle. Yeah, the, the difference between a breakaway in the final minute uh, against you and it being a one goal lead and you're trying to save that lead versus it being six two game <laughs> is is very different. Well, first in, in first of scenario. all, we never have two. And second of all, the breakaways aren't typically limited to one man at this point. <laughs> <laughs> did you say did you say a uh, crappy goalie or crabby goalie? Crappy yeah. and crabby. Yeah, we went, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I touch both categories these days, oh my, my friend. Can't I, wait I till the a lot of, can't sorry. wait till the Canucks Autism Network tournament where I can put all this happiness on display in front of uh, a bunch of alumni. Jeez, oh, I think ultimately it comes down to I'd be okay with my son or daughter being on a really good team if you're in a league where pretty much anybody could win on any given night it, it, there's weaker teams in the league but they could still win um but the, the a lot of that concern has come over the years because you'll see some youth leagues where there's a team that just doesn't lose and yeah. uh, and often gives up 10 shots to the 40 or 50 they get in a game and that's that's not a positive thing overall for development we gotta fly uh woody take care of yourself my friend no hockey for a little while so i will Maybe know nothing for a little while. Maybe we don't limit it just to hockey. It's a fair point. <laughs> Hutch, Hutch, you and I have never been closer. I think I think we've really bonded over this. And uh, good job on the on the beep. That was uh, I'm I'm calling it right now. I don't know what we ended up for a total, but that that was a podcast record. Do you want to know what a neurocognitive drill is in our world? <laughs> It's being able to hit that beep switch as Woody comes. I got about a tenth of a second to hit it. Uh, Thanks to Ty Young, Cam, uh, and you uh, for listening and and having some fun. If you get a chance, uh, send Woody a note, uh, whether it's on on the X or the Instagram or uh, straight to uh, Ingle Mag. Uh, What is is our website over at the uh, Ingle? Uh, Inglemag.com. Inglemag.com. That's easy. Or what most people do in the world today is they go to their web browser and type in Goal Magazine and it pops up. So, all right. Uh, send, send Woody anymore. just a, just a, a 
be positive, a pat in the back, a hug, a high five, a fist bump, a slap in the pads. Uh, send him one of those as we uh, will join me next week. I wish you could see his face right now, people. Uh, next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Love you both, guys.